Go with me, if you will, to the book of Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 22 tonight is where I'm going to take a text. Uh, I'm sure you all are aware that today is a very special holiday. You didn't know, okay? That's right. Today is the day that pitchers and catchers report to spring training. No, I'm... I'm <laughs> No, I'm talking about Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is today. If you forgot, I guess 7 Eleven is still open. Uh, guys, you can make your best offers uh, there, I guess. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about love tonight. Matthew chapter 22 and verse number 37. Amen. Bible says that Jesus replied, and I'm reading from the New International Version, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. For this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself for all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. We, might, we might all have different reasons for why we come to church. Uh, I think if we were to take a poll tonight, I hope that we would all say that we were here to worship God. But perhaps in addition to that, some of us, you know, maybe came to see other people. Uh, maybe some of us come because we like the worship and the music, or maybe some come because we like the preaching or the teaching, and still others might be here to fulfill an obligation. Maybe some come just to check off the box and, and say, yeah, I made it to church, or, or maybe this was just the closest church to your house. I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, why are we here? What, what is the purpose of why we come to the house of the Lord? Whatever your surface answer to that question is, I would compel you to dig a little bit deeper into your heart tonight. I think that if we were to do that and if we were honest with ourselves, we would find out that whatever other advantages coming to church might have for us, the real reason that most of us are here is because of love. Because we love God. We love God. Even if that wasn't your initial response, I think that we'd all agree that we're here because we love God and we have a desire to please God. Am I right about that? Otherwise, why would you go through the trouble, right? Why would you, why would you rush out on a Wednesday night and get the kids together and, and, and choke down some dinner and, and, and get everybody and fight the rush hour traffic, you know, at 6.30 and 6 o'clock, 6.30 and, and you hit every light on the way and it's red and, and, and you probably wouldn't do all of that except for there's something deep inside of your heart that says, I want to honor God. I want to please God. I need to worship him. I, I, I need to be encouraged. I need to be uplifted. I need to hear the word of the Lord. See, I want you to understand that at the end of the day, it's when it's all said and done, our involvement with God and our involvement with the church comes down to one thing, and that's love. Peter said it pretty well when he said in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, he said, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And so we come to the house of the Lord. And even though we don't physically see Jesus when we're here, we love him. And we show up and no matter what we had to endure to get here, we feel him. And we believe in him and we're filled with a sense of joy knowing that he loves us in return. To know that he gave his life for us. That he sacrificed his own blood that, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Just, just that thought fills our heart with love and devotion. To know that because of his sacrifice that I can be healed and I can be delivered. To know that because he loves me, I can be free from the bondage of sin and death. And I can have an eternity with God. To know that he wants what's best for me and he cares about the things that I care about. That I can trust him and depend upon him. These are the reasons that we're filled with hope. 
These are the reasons that we're compelled to follow and compelled to worship him. And yet the same God who has the love and the adoration of everybody in this room tonight makes it clear to us that he did not come to receive our accolades. He did not come to receive our worship. He did not come to receive what we could do for him. This God that has done so much for you and I did not come to merely be the benefactor of our adoration. No, your Bible tells us in Mark 10 that Jesus did not come to be ministered to, rather he came to minister to other people. He didn't come so that you and I would have, have to struggle to make it into the building on a Wednesday night by seven o'clock. He didn't come so that we would have to struggle to make it into the building on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. No, he, he came because he so loved the world that he didn't want any of us to perish. He came so that all of us would come to repentance. He came to give us life, to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. He came to preach the gospel to the poor. He came to heal the sick and the brokenhearted. He came to give liberty to the captive and give sight to the blind. He came to set at liberty those who were bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It was out of love that he endured spite and rejection. It was out of love that he was spat upon and he was beaten. It was because of his love for you and I that he willingly went to a cross and shed his own innocent blood that we might be redeemed. It was love that endured the anguish. It was love that endured the pain. It was love that held them to that tree when he could have called down 10,000 of his angels to rescue him. It was love that compelled him to forgive his enemies because they know not what they do. It was love. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind us tonight that as much as we might love the Lord and as, what, as much as we might desire to please him, he is the one who laid down the example for you and I to follow. He knew us before we were even born. He loved me long before I was even aware of who he was. He loved me while I was steeped in my own sin and degradation. He loved me when I was unlovable. He loved me when I couldn't have cared less about him. I was out there living for myself. I was out there doing what I wanted to do. I was walking in the flesh. I didn't care a thing about the spirit and yet he still loved me. Mm. Aren't you thankful tonight for the love of God that was shed abroad in your life? And so the songwriter says, I love him because he first loved me. I have a sense of gratitude and a sense of appreciation for what he has done for me. There, there's, there's something in my heart that is compelled to look at that and say, if, if God can love me in the condition that I'm in, then certainly there's a way that I can show my love to him in return. Certainly there's something I can do to express my appreciation for his compassion toward me. And so we come to the house of the Lord. We get out of bed on a Sunday morning and we brush our teeth and we wrangle the family and we put on a clean shirt and we fight the construction and we try not to be late and, 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 and we do the same thing again on Wednesday night and when we come into the house of the Lord and when we, we come in and, and we get here and we sing along with the praise team, you know, if we know the songs, yeah, we'll, we'll sing along with them. Yeah, and, and we put a few dollars in the offering plate and we'll amen the preacher, you know, and, 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 and we get behind him and we say a prayer and we greet a few folks and then we're on our way. And while all of that is fine and well, I, and while I'm sure God appreciates our effort, I can't help but wonder if that's really the best that we can do. Is that really the best that I can do to show my love to the one who loved me 
without measure. I can't help but wonder if my response to his love for me is appropriate. See, if his actions had a significant and eternal impact on my world, then I I would submit to you and I have to wonder tonight if my actions are having a significant and eternal impact on his kingdom. If what he did for me is having an eternal impact on my life and on my world, then I wonder if what I'm doing for him is having an eternal impact on his kingdom. If what he did for me altered my eternity and changed my destiny, then I've got to ask myself the question, is what I'm doing or not doing having any impact on his kingdom? And while some of us might believe that our attendance to church does something for God, and while some of us might believe that our money or our clothes or our standard of living is enough to please God, and while some of us might be under the impression that as long as I don't lie and cheat or steal, then I'm doing, I'm doing God a favor, I'm doing all right by God, and while all of those things are admirable, let me remind us tonight that God actually looks at things a little differently than you and I do. Right? God's got a different way of evaluating. God's got a different way of measuring our love for him. Please understand, while his love for us is immeasurable, we need to know that God has a different approach and a different formula when it comes to identifying our love for him. No, his love for you and I is not predicated on us loving him in return. He loves us even when we don't love him back. But for those of us who do love the Lord and profess to love the Lord in return, there is a simple way that he is able to tell whether or not our love for him is true. Yeah? There is a measuring stick. There is a way that he can tell whether my love for him is authentic or real whether it's really true love. And it's pretty straightforward. It's spelled out in scripture. Are you ready for this? Here it is. It's found in John chapter 14 and verse 15, where Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Another translation says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Now, This is the only time in scripture, the only time where Jesus says, if you love me, then do this. Only time. It's the only time that God has ever put a condition on his love in scripture. If you love me, if you love me like you say you love me, then Jesus said, I need you to do this. What is this? He says, I need you to keep my commandments. All right, well, that sounds easy enough, doesn't it? Well, what are, what are his commandments? I'm glad you asked. I think we're all familiar with the 10 commandments, aren't we? Exodus chapter 20, God gave Moses 10 laws by which he wanted his people to live. He said, if y'all, can get, if y'all get the people to obey and adhere to these 10 laws, then everything's gonna work out just fine. Let's see, there's thou shalt have no other gods before me. All right, sounds pretty reasonable. Check that off. He says, don't make any, don't make any graven images. Pretty similar to the first one. Got it? All right, we won't do that. He says, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Well, I'm work, we're working on that, all right? Okay, we got it. We're, we're going to do that. We're, we're not going to do that. Number four, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. All right, well, I'm at church. That's a win. Check, right? Honor thy father and mother. Okay, don't got a problem with that. We can do that. Don't kill anybody. Some of y'all broke that this week. You just felt like you, yeah, I don't know. Glad you're here tonight. Don't commit adultery. We got that. Okay, won't do that. Don't steal. Roger that. Don't lie. Don't, don't give a false witness against your brother. Okay, don't covet what your neighbor has. I'm working on that too, Lord, but all right, I got it. Not going to covet what my neighbor has. These were the 10 commandments that God said, if you'll keep these 10 things, then you will be, you will be blessed. And do you think that humanity could follow 10 simple rules? 
No. Do you think that, that we were able to successfully navigate 10 basic guidelines by which to live? No, ma'am. No, sir, we could not. In fact, they got so carried away with the 10 that over time they created 603 other laws to go along with the original 10. 10 apparently wasn't simple enough for them, so they created another 603 to try to explain the first 10. And so they ended up with 613 laws and multiple definitions of each one and it was so complicated and it was so convoluted that you had to have a law degree just to be able to halfway interpret it. And even then it was near impossible to keep, right? And so Jesus comes along and he says, you know, this whole law thing has gotten way out of hand. This is, this is not what I intended. I, I gave you 10, you turned it into 613, and you're actually proud of yourselves as if you've done something great, but, but what, what you've really done is you've created an unnecessary burden on yourselves. You, you've weighted yourself down with a bunch of stuff that doesn't please God the way you think that it pleases God. Your, your knowledge it's not as impressive to God as it is to you. So Jesus says, I'm going to make things really, really simple on everybody. And when one of those lawyers approached Jesus and asked him of the 613 commandments, which one is the greatest? Jesus' reply was the text that we read. He said, I'll make it really simple for you. There's two. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. For all the law and the prophets hang on these two these two commandments are the linchpin for everything else. God gave you 10, you added 603, and now I'm telling you, Jesus says, that if you really want to please God, then here are the two that you can handle. Love the Lord with God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, these are the two that you need to focus on. Because everything else hangs on these two. Not that there aren't other laws, not that there aren't other commandments that, that, that are important, there are, but if you get these two, if you master these two, then you will show your love for God in the same manner that he showed his love for you. If you keep my commandments, what commandments? Love the Lord your God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you do this, Jesus says, that's how I'll know that you really, truly love me. So John 13 and verse 34 says, Jesus says a new commandment. I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another. That's not a redundant statement. You'll notice the semicolon there in the middle of the sentence, right? He says, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. And then he just restates it and says, as I have loved you, that's how you need to love other people. By this, verse 35, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. By this, everybody say this. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Not that you know all the theology, not that you know all the eschatology and soteriology, not that you've got it all, all the educational stuff worked out, not that you can quote every scripture in the Bible, it, it not, not that you have perfect attendance at, at, at the church house, not even, not even any of that, not, not, not all the stuff you can accumulate, all of that. No, all men will know that you're a disciple of Christ if you love God and you love other people. All men will know that you're a follower of mine, Jesus says, and that you love God 
when you love other people. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you tonight, the way that I show my love for God in return for how he loved me is that I keep his commandments. And the way that I accomplish that is by obeying his word, by loving him through loving other people. I I, I want you to hear that. We love God by loving other people. These two simple commandments are interwoven. It's it's not two separate things. It's not two independent things. No, it's tethered together that I show my love for God by the way I treat and the way I love my neighbor. That's why John would say in 1 John chapter 4, if you say you love God, but you hate other people, then you're a liar. Because how can you love a God whom you've never seen if you can't love another person whom you have seen? And so we have this commandment that if you love God, then you also have to love other people. And boy, that messes us up, doesn't it? That messes me up because I thought my love for God was predicated on what I did for him, right? Because by that measuring stick, you know, uh, I mean, I I thought that that's how it worked. I I thought that he evaluated my love based on what I did or didn't do for him. And now you're telling me that God evaluates whether or not I love him, but by what I do or don't do for somebody else? What I do or don't do for my neighbor? Well, then that changes some things, doesn't it? That, that little bit of revelation has the power to alter some things, right? Because by that measuring stick, my righteousness becomes as filthy rags. By that logic, then my works don't work. With that understanding, then maybe my perfect attendance and my extra dollar or two and my, my routine and my likes or dislikes or my preferences, maybe none of that mattered as much as I thought it did. I wish they'd sing my I wish they'd sing my songs up at the church. I wish they'd do it the way I want them to do it. I, I wish I wish we could go back and do it the way we used to do it. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on. Let's be careful that we understand that it's not about those things. It's about God. And it's about other people. And it's not always about me getting what I want, right? It's not about that. Yeah, does coming to church matter? Absolutely. Does participating in worship matter? Absolutely, it does. Does hearing the word and responding to the word of God matter? In fact, our salvation depends on it. Yes, but perhaps, just maybe, we've allowed ourselves to get so consumed with the extra 603 that we've neglected the two. The two that Jesus said were most important. Perhaps we've majored on the minors a little bit and have missed the spirit of God's law altogether. This was exactly the issue that Paul felt that he needed to address in his letter to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was a good church. They were a strong church, but they had lost sight of the simplicity of the message. It's true. They were somewhat impressed with themselves. They were impressed with their knowledge and their policies and their attendance and their giving and all the other things that, that they thought were pleasing to God, but it really wasn't. And that's what prompted Paul to write and say what he did when he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is also, by the way, known as the love chapter. The love chapter. And here's what Paul wrote. In 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1, though I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, then I'm only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains and yet I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and and if I surrender my love uh, or my body, surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. 
He goes on in verse eight to say that love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Hear me, where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, that knowledge will pass away. And then he goes on in verse 13 to say, now these three will remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these, mm, the greatest of these is love. Paul says you can go through the motions, you can do all the right things, you can know everything there is to know. You, you can have all the, all the answers to the Bible quizzing test. You, you can have all the gifts that there are to have. You can give until you have nothing more to give. You can sacrifice things and offer up your offerings and do all the works that you want to do. But at the end of it all, if love isn't your motivation, if love isn't the motivating factor, then it's all for nothing. If you don't have love, then you're just going through the motions. Love for what, Brother Sizemore? Love for whom? What are we talking about? It's love for God and it's love for your neighbor. Who's my neighbor? Is it, the, is it the guy that lives next door who won't keep his dogs out of my yard? Is that who we're talking about? Is it the, is it the person that lives across the street that, 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 that you know, they just drive me crazy and they, they leave the trash out in the yard and they, who, who's my neighbor? Who are we talking about? Your neighbor is any other human being. When he says, I, I would argue it's anybody other than God, right? Your neighbor, human flesh and blood. Your neighbor could be your literal neighbor, but it could also be your spouse. It could also be your family member your brother, your sister. It could be someone here in the church, your neighbor. It could be a sinner out in the world, your neighbor. It could be anyone. Jesus didn't specify. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor, that's everybody else, as yourself. Not just love for the church, thank God for the love of the house of God, but not just love for the church, but love for the kingdom of God. Not just a desire to do good for God, but a desire to do right by God. A desire to keep his commandments. To not just love him, but to love him by loving somebody else. Brother Sizemore, I, I have faith. Isn't faith enough? I mean, faith is good, you need it. But Paul, said, but Paul said love is greater. Yeah. Well, Brother Sizemore, I have hope. Isn't that what we need to give them? Don't we need to give them hope? Yes, give them hope. But the greatest thing you can give them is love. It's love. Because it's love that covers a multitude of sin. It's love that casts out all fear. It's love that binds us together with cords that cannot be broken. It's love that brings me back to the foot of the cross. It's love that makes me most like Jesus. It's love that identifies me as his disciple. It's love that produces the fruit of that spirit and long suffering in my life. It's love that is kind. It's love that is patient. It's love that causes me not to misbehave. It's love that helps me to see the best in everybody and not the worst in everybody. It's love that rejoices in the truth. It's love that bears all things. It's love that believes all things. It's love that hopes all things. It's love that endures all things. It's love that never fails. Mm. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, I want us to understand that love is the very foundation on which the kingdom of God is built. There is no greater aspiration than the love of God. There is no greater thing that I can do. There is no greater calling 
than to be called to love God and love your neighbor. There is no greater motivation. It's all about love, loving God and loving others. And this is what everything else Jesus said hangs on. Everything else hangs on those two things. It's like a couple of curtain rods, you know, you ever hung curtains? You know what I'm talking about. You put up, you put up those two curtain rods, but those curtain rods got to hang on the two little brackets, you know, and so you hang the brackets first and then you hang the rods and put the rods in place and you put the curtains on the rods and then who knows, you decorate the curtains. I don't even know what you do after that. I'm done after I've hung the curtain rods. I'm like, honey, you got, I don't know. Yeah, they got lights on them, I don't care, whatever, right? But everything hangs on, hangs on the two. You, 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 if you don't have the two, if, if you don't have those things up there, then everything else is gonna fall to the ground. Nothing else matters if you don't have first things first. And love is first. For God so loved the world. He had to love the world before he could die for the world. He had to love the world before he could robe himself in flesh and come and, and dwell among us. He had to love the world before he could minister to the world. You cannot minister to people you don't love. You can't hope to, you can't hope to minister to somebody that you don't have genuine affection for. Yeah, it's awful hard to do that. Love is the prerequisite. Love is the thing. I've got to learn to love because love, love for God first, love for people second, and it's on those two things that everything else hangs on to. And here's the kicker. When I truly love somebody else as Christ has loved me, then like Christ, I'll be motivated to action. Like Jesus, I won't be worried about being ministered to as much as I will be worried about looking to minister to somebody else. Oh, God help us if we come to church and all we do is expect to get ministered to. Because what that tells us, what that tells me is that there, there's love missing. There's a love missing because coming to the house of God and, and being in the kingdom of God and serving God isn't about what we can get. It's, it's not about gimme, 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 gimme. When Jesus fed the 5,000, right? Jesus, you know who he handed the bread to first? It wasn't even the people. He handed the bread to the disciples. But the disciples weren't the multitude. The disciples were the ones who took the bread and turned around and fed it to the people that were hungry. What if we thought of this church and this congregation as the disciples rather than the multitude? What if what we received in here on a Sunday morning and on a Wednesday night, and we didn't just take it home and eat it all for ourselves, what if we took it out of here and went out and fed some hungry souls with it? Yeah. That's love, that's love, that's love. I won't be worried about any of that when I love, when love reigns in my heart, I won't be concerned with having, with having my own need met. I won't be concerned with my own preferences or my own ideas. I'll be far more concerned with meeting the needs of those around me. And in doing this, I will fulfill God's commandment and he will know that I love him just like he loves me. God, help us today to be motivated by love. Help us to be driven by a desire to please the Lord. Mm, I want to please him. I want to please God. I don't, want ever, I don't want it to ever be said of me that I was just a consumer in the house of the Lord. No, no, I, God loves me more than that. I love God more than that. I've got to let love prevail. I, I, I wanna stay focused on the things that matter and not get caught up on the things that don't matter. I want love to prevail. I want love to fill my heart. God, let us learn to love you by loving those that are around us. 
I'm not going to read Romans chapter 12 to you tonight, but if you go home and you read that, you'll discover that Paul was a firm believer in the idea that our lives are about glorifying God. You'll learn that if you read Romans 12. And the way that we do that is by serving other people and leading them to Jesus. The primary motivation for all that we do is love. Whatever we do, the motivation for it ought to be love. It ought to be love. In 1984, how old was I? 79, 88, 82, 83, 84. I was six years old in 1984. But I was in kindergarten. Or no, was it? I don't know. First grade. Maybe I was in first grade. But I rode the bus <laughs> to school. And when you ride the bus to public school, you know, there are things that you, that you see and you witness and you experience. And <laughs> one of those things was you know, they were, pumping, they were pumping the radio, man, and they weren't playing Christian music, okay? I'm going to tell you that. They were pumping the radio, and, you know, I'm, I've, I've got a thing with music. I, I've got to be careful because sometimes it, it can, if the music's too good up here, I get distracted by it, right? And I, I get impressed, and sometimes it, sometimes it makes it hard for me to worship. I'm just being vulnerable with you, okay? I'm just telling you, like, I'm, I'm listening for the things that nobody else is hearing. I can hear the chords. I can hear the parts. And I'm like, that was cool. That was funky. Man, they really worked on that. That sounds so good. And, and then I find myself not worshiping like I'm supposed to be worshiping because I, I get sidetracked by that. And so you can imagine as a, a six-year-old little first grader riding the bus to school and, and all this, you know, this, this secular music's getting pumped into me and I'm just, I'm, I'm eating it up and I'm picking it up. And, and sometimes it comes in handy, uh, you know, at, at, a, at a, you know, I don't know, if I'm at a place where they're having like a quiz or something, you know, I can win, I can win some free wings or something, you know, having trivia night. So I, sometimes that comes in handy. Um, but it, 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 in, it was in 1984 that, that, that Tina Turner came out with the song, What's Love Got to Do With It? I know y'all don't know that song, so it's okay. Just take my word for it, right? What's love got to do? You know, okay? From the perspective of a broken and love-absent relationship, Miss Turner posed the idea that perhaps love wasn't a motivating factor in her relationships. But I've come to challenge that notion tonight and answer her question, what's love got to do with it? I've come to answer that with a resounding everything. Love's got everything to do with it. For a child of God, for a person who claims to love the Lord their God with all their heart and soul and mind and love their neighbor as themselves, love has everything to do with it. As Christians, everything that we do should be born out of love. We gather to worship out of love. We connect with other people because of love. We preach and teach because of love. It, it loves God everything to do with it. We, we preach and we teach. We help others grow in discipleship because of love. We serve our community and our city because of love. It's not out of personal satisfaction. It's not out of notoriety. It's not what country of life get out of it. It's because we love God and we love the people around us. And so tonight, what's love got to do with it for you? What's your motivation? Am I evaluating my life by the few hours I spend here in this building every week? Am I, am I judging my spiritual merit on my participation in a program or a monetary gift that I give? Am I gauging my success as a Christian on the same criteria that God is gauging my success? Am I advancing his kingdom or am I advancing mine? Am I having the kind of eternal impact that I think I'm having? And if you're not sure how to answer that question tonight, then perhaps we need to simplify things and take the 603 and reduce it down to two. To love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Because on these two things, everything else hangs. Can you say amen? Would you stand with me tonight? Hmm. What's love got to do with it, Sister Turner? Well, as it turns out, it's got everything to do with it. It's got everything to do with it. When When you're trying to figure out what your motivation is for coming to church, just remind yourself, I'm going out of love. I'm going out of love. I need to let the Lord know that I love him. I need to let the Lord know that it's not an inconvenience for me. I need to let the Lord know that I'm not just trying to check off the box. I'm, I'm not just trying to fill an obligation. I, I'm not just trying to put it on my resume so that it looks good, that, I, that I've got perfect attendance. There are no perfect attendance awards in heaven. Just want you to know that, right? Because God's not looking at the outside of it. He's looking at my heart and he's saying, what's love got to do with it for you? Do you, do you love me like you say you love me? Do you love other people like you love me? He said, I know there's, there's 603 and even 603 more. And now, now there's all of these things to consider. There's, there's thousands of reasons. There's thousands of things. There's a multiplicity of ideologies and, and thought processes. And, and what about this? And what about that? And, and what, about, what about them? And, and what about him? Or what about her? And God says, I, I just, I want to make it really, really simple for you. Love the Lord your God with all that you have. Don't hold back. Don't don't leave anything on the table. Love the Lord with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. And when you do these two things, you will have fulfilled it all. Won't you bow your head with me right now all across this place? What's love got to do with it for you? What's your motivation? Why do you do what you do? Why are you involved in the things that you're involved in? Why did you take the job that you're working? Why did you move into the neighborhood that you live in? Why do you drive the car that you drive? Why why do you interact with the group of people that you interact with? Is it motivated out of convenience? Is it motivated by monetary gain? Is it motivated by some agenda that I might have or some goal that I might be in pursuit of? Or is it motivated by love? By love. Because I love God with everything I have and I want to see my neighbor go to heaven with me. And I want to see my family members go to heaven with me. And I want to see those people that I, that I get angry at because they let their dogs run through my yard. Yeah, I want them to go to heaven with me too. And, and I got to be motivated by love. And, and God said, not only do you need to love them, but you even need to love your enemies. Oh, that's probably a different sermon for a different night. You mean I got to love those that that use me and love those that that don't love me in return and love those that might, might, might not be kind to me and love those that might have aught against me? The Word of God says, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love everybody else. Everybody else. Love your neighbor as yourself. What's love got to do with it? I'm going to open these altars tonight. We're going to sing a song. And I want you to come tonight. It's Valentine's Day. It's the day of love. I can't think of a better day for you to come to this altar and renew the love of God in your heart than tonight. Come on, let it be said of Valentine's Day 2024 that that was the night that I let love reign in my heart. That was the night that I opened myself up and said, God, I want to love you with everything I have. God, I want to love my neighbor. God, change my thinking. Change my heart. God, let me love you by loving somebody else. Come on, let's sing tonight. 
God, help us to love you. Help us to love each other, Lord. Come on, lift your hands with me right now all across this place. God, I need you to come and search me, Lord. I, I need you, God, to help me to understand that it's important, God, that I'm filled with your love. God, for you are love.
I wonder if we could all lift our hands tonight across this place. Come on, when was the last time that you thanked God for the love that he has for you? God, I'm so thankful, Lord, that while I was even yet a sinner, God, I wasn't even worthy, God, of your love, and yet you loved me anyway. God, you love us so unconditionally, Lord, that it's hard for us to understand it, God. We, we know, Lord, that greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend, and you have called us friend, and you have laid down your life for all of us. God, we thank you for that sacrifice. We thank you for that love. We thank you, God, that you filled our hearts. And I pray, God, that we could walk worthy of it tonight. God, I pray, Lord, that we could return it, God, not only to you, but that we could return it to somebody else. God, that we would love you with everything we have and that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. God, evaluate us justly. Know our hearts justly and rightly. God, let us have a love for other people and a love for you. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. God, bless us as we go our separate ways tonight. God, I pray a special blessing on every person, on every family, on every household. God, let your love be shed abroad on all of us this week. And I pray that you'd bring us back into this house once again on Sunday with a song in our hearts and with a praise on our lips in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody clap your hands to the Lord one more time. If you're thankful for the love of God tonight. Amen. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Shake hands with somebody. Love on somebody tonight. Amen. Speak life into somebody tonight. Amen. We'll see you Sunday at 11 a.m. God bless you. In Jesus' name.